0: Welcome
1: back. Episode 21 the All the Fly Kid Show. This is the crew love episode and today's guest is I'm trying to see how I can make this concise because he does so many things. He's done so many things. Um, entrepreneur, a purveyor, a um, all around just like great guy to know and has done a lot of great things in D.C. This week, I mean, this week's episode, we have Mr. Miles Greater Third with us.
2: Yes, indeed. What's going on? What's going on? Thank you for coming, sir. I'm happy to be here, man. It's an honor.
1: Good, good, good. I appreciate you, man. I really do. So, I always start every episode asking people where they're from, and we just go from there.
2: Yeah, so I was born in Norfolk. I uh, spent most of my life um, either in the Mid-Atlantic, um, definitely on the East Coast. So, okay. I spent a little time down in Florida. I mm-hmm. uh, spent some time out in Maryland. spent, a, obviously, a lot of time in D.C., but uh, North Carolina is my home. Okay. So that's kind of where I cut my teeth at. That's where I did high school at. And
1: what part of North Carolina?
2: little town called Tarboro. So okay. I'm from Tarboro. I went to Tarboro High, and then I went over to the School of Science and Math in Durham. Um, but Tarboro, North Carolina, Princeville, North Carolina. Uh, there might be a few folks out there who actually know what Mildred is. Okay. Some uh, Kanita, uh, some places like that. Um, but, yeah, I'm from the middle of nowhere in North Carolina.
1: Okay. But closer to what, like, Durham?
2: Um, not too far from Rocky Mount, Greenville. Okay, okay, um, okay. So, kind of when you are coming down ninety five south, you'll see a little sign that says Rocky, Rocky Mount. Mount. a little. One I always wondered because yeah. I
1: got my my mother, her whole family, they're from um, the Tidewater region of okay, Virginia. Yeah. And so, um, I would always see that sign whenever we would go down. And I was like, well, what? We should just keep going one day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if you're bumping into somebody from Tarboro, it they will make it sound like it's a huge town, uh-huh. doing a lot of crazy things. Um, but yeah, we also have we had a lot of pride from Tarboro.
1: Okay, okay, and um, I mean, what was life like for you growing up in Tarboro? Uh, well, you know, Tarboro's you know kind of shitty, so
2: it's uh, <laughs> it's not a lot going on out there. Some great people, some great families, um, but it's not a whole lot if you got a really broad mindset or if you're really active. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people from the area, you know, three generations deep, probably never really left the county. You yeah, know, yeah. definitely never left the state. Mm-hmm. You know uh it's a big deal kind of just getting out to a and t or getting out to u n c you know that sort of thing so i mean it 's same story that a lot of people have from smaller towns smaller communities um but you know that 's my home and you know I got a lot of great friends from there i got a you know i I definitely learned how to walk out there you mm-hmm. know if you know what i mean so it's uh it's a great place in my opinion
1: okay okay and so from there you end up at temple correct. Temple so, University?
2: I, well, so I went to went to Howard first. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. So science and math in North Carolina. Um, from from there went on to Howard University, from Howard to Temple. Okay. And then from Temple back to D C.
1: Okay, so when you got to D C the first time around, mm-hmm. what was going on to say around what time was this that you got here?
2: So I I was coming to D C back in the eighties, man. Like uh D C is is you know, North Carolina's New York. Mm-hmm. So um, back then, we were coming up here all the time um my family um we had a couple of people up here my uh, my aunt she moved up here um she actually was uh killed up here, and that 's kind of what d c was you know yeah. back in the eighties it was you know this is a rough and tumble place man yeah, people that absolutely. you know people who weren't from around here or didn't really experience it um you know I know New York got a lot of uh attention for kind of how crack and you know some other things that affected the black population. Um, you know, New York gets a lot of attention for that, but you know, DC went through you know every inch of that that Absolutely. whole that whole wave. So,
0: yeah,
2: um, you know, so we was coming up here, you know, in the '80s, and you know, we get in the van with my grandma, and you know, we go to the Redskins game. We never went inside the Redskins game, you know. But y'all, we y'all did the tailgate. We did the tailgate, if you want to call it that, you know, out, <laughs> out in the parking lot, you know, with the the fried chicken in the Ziploc bags at and, at,
1: at RFK
0: Stadium.
2: Yeah, RFK. You know what I'm saying? We we do that, and then you know, she, she hit that little hell to the Redskins keychain, And then, you know, hopefully we come on with a victory and we head back home.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. So Howard, How talk about, you? talk about, uh, your experience in DC at that time when you were going to Howard.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I was blessed to kind of see, you know, that real, that real transition in DC. So, you know, like, you know, I remember going over to U Street. Like you'd have to run to U Street, you know, go pick up your wings from City Wings. Yeah, you know, grab that and then you know try to haul ass back to the dorm without you know <laughs> with your clothes on and you know with all your money in your pocket. So,
1: now uh, I remember I was um I I went to Howard for a little while um and I stayed my freshman year. Got there in two thousand. I stayed at Meridian. Yep. Yep. And um that's Meridian Hill Hole, aka the Ebony Sex Ebony Pilots Sex for Pilots. people who don't yeah. know, who people who aren't familiar. I got um, onto it late. <laughs> for real?
2: <laughs> I should have got hit a lot earlier. But <laughs> just imagine badge
1: of being there as a freshman, man. Yeah, but that's uh a lot. that's a lot. But um yeah, we would sometimes, you know, we would just walk from there to campus if the, like we didn't feel like catching the shuttle. Yeah. So I remember um me and one of my homeboys that I went to high school with, he went to how we we stayed in the same door, whatever. And um it was just crazy how we had to keep telling all the other students who were just completely unfamiliar with DC and just even like some a lot of them just unfamiliar with like urban environments. Yeah. It was just like, you know, if you're gonna walk it, do it like this. Yep. You know, do it like that. Don't look so obvious. Don't look like you got your daring headlights. You know what I mean? Cause like at that time, like even Columbia Heights Station was yep. like, it's like, it was literally like being in the middle of nowhere. Yes,
2: that's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> Back then, I, I remember, I mean, you know, DC taught me how to walk with a purpose. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you if you're going from point A to point B, you go ahead and get your body business. Do what you got to do, you know what I'm saying? There's no, like you said, just don't have that tourist mentality on your face, you yeah. know, and then uh, definitely made me, you know, a lot more aware of my surroundings and my circumstances because, you know, uh, like I said, D.C., you know, maybe call it, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, even a little less, you know, was, and some some parts was, uh, you know, as real as it gets up here. So. What, what was the party scene like? Oh, so I, shit, man, I, I partied every inch of uh, at Howard, so, <laughs> um, but like I said, it was coming up a little earlier, so, you know, you know my cousin... Um, he was from up here, so we would, you know, we did a couple, you know, Black Hole, Ibex, you know, some of that sort of stuff, got hip to the go-go. And, okay, you know, yeah, the go, go-go experience. Yeah, yeah. go-go's big in North Carolina, too, so, yeah. you know, it was cool to finally see it live, and then, um, you know, I kind of slept on it at the time. You, you really don't know what you're watching when you first kind of get introduced to a live go-go show, like, mm-hmm. you know, that level of, you know, technical proficiency, you know, with music, you yeah. know, I was kind of getting a lesson back then that would benefit me later that mm-hmm. I didn't really know I was getting, so... You know, the party scene was crazy in there and then um you know I pleasured Howard too. So uh I'm a Q, I pledged Alpha Chapter, so you know, we obviously had some of the greatest parties in history there. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. you know, actually on Howard is where I got introduced to Taz and Mark and okay. you know, they kinda brought me into that scene as well. So, you know, I've been fortunate to you know, to really enjoy that party scene. Okay. Um so, you know, from either as a patron or, you know, kind of creating some, you know, pretty exquisite properties in my day. I think, you know, we, okay. we've seen both sides of that.
1: And we're definitely going to talk about when you became a creator in, yeah. the, in, in in D.C. nightlife and what have you. But um, so from Howard, you go to Temple for grad school.
2: Yeah, went to Temple for grad school. Um, I was doing foot and ankle surgery up there, podiatric medicine, um, and it just didn't really fit me, man. I got into my residency program in Cherry Hill and, you know, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. That was another lesson for me. It was a I don't know why, in my mind, I kind of thought that you know up north would be a, a much more tolerant and freeing circumstance, but
1: especially not in Jersey.
2: Not in, I didn't. <laughs> a, a, a I used to I used to live in Philly hey, as a,
1: for as a, for a, a couple years. As, so. a, as a
2: country boy, I did not know what I was getting into. So and
1: you saw how even how segregated like Philly is, and and, and all of that. And I just. mean,
2: Philly Philly's a whole. We could spend a whole other podcast talking about <laughs> Philly. Like I mean, my, literally, my first night in Philly, you know, I, I was in the rentals, checking into my dorm. Um, you know, I go around the corner to do a CVS, Right Aid, something like that, and it's like, you know, nine, ten year old kids out here on this corner. It's like eleven, twelve at night,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and they did not look like this was their first night out on this block. So, you know, and then you, you know, you go into the neighborhoods, get your hair cut just kind of go around. It's, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of parts of Philly, you know, especially back then that, you know, that really needed some assistance. Absolutely, um,
1: absolutely. I used to live on a. Grats in Montgomery.
2: Oh yeah, so so I was I was a few blocks behind the school. Yeah, so you know I was at Cecil B Moore, and then you know I get my hair cut at like 21st and you know Woodstock, you know spend some time on Contra and you know some other places, and you know you make a lot of good friends there because you know if you're from that element, you know you always connect with somebody. But yeah, man, Philly's Philly's a place we can spend some real time talking about, and then you know so like I said, Cherry Hill. I really was kind of uh, thrown for a loop with that experience. I, you know, I kind of expected it to be a lot more progressive and a lot more forward thinking than it was, but it, you know, it wasn't. So I kind of bumped heads with my residency director a little bit, and, hmm. you know, knew it was time to go ahead and uh, figure out something different for my life. And it was, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. I mean, it was the, be- the best thing that ever happened to me, um, kind of freeing myself from that circumstance and that experience. But
1: um, so, how long did you work in the medical field?
2: So I was just in my residency. This was, like, maybe a year, okay. you know. Um, and after that, I I saw the writing on the wall. I knew he was going to create a problem, so I was like, I got to figure something out. Um, and the only thing I had been good at, really, or, you know, that we were just naturally doing was kind of throwing parties. We used to throw these house parties, and, you know, they were kind of legendary. And it, it's funny, so it's like, you know, if you ever hear, like, ASAP Rocky kind of tell his story about how they were throwing them parties up in New York, mm. like, that's kind of how it was. Um, we would just you know, get on the phones at the time and throw these little house parties and, you know, sometimes we charge two dollars to get in and sometimes we wouldn't and it would just be, you know, just a lot of fun. I I leave it at that. It used to be a lot of fun. So
1: you your your career in nightlife started when you were in Philly?
2: It started out of out of necessity. So okay. you know, we started in Philly. Um there was a spot called I mean I didn't know what the hell I was doing at the time. So we went from I went from amateur to pro out of necessity, like overnight. Mm-hmm. Um and there was this little club down in the Old City called Dreams. Um, and this dude, Mark, owned it.
0: I and remember, I, I remember had, Dreams. I
2: had been there a couple of times, so I went in there. I, you know, I was like, can I get a night? And he was like, I'll give you Friday. And I was like, bet. Wow. So <laughs> so we <laughs> turned. Just
1: out the gate. You get a, Friday night? a Friday night? Friday He must have knew about I, you yeah, or I something. Don't, I don't
2: know. The universe conspired for me on that one. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, we just, I mean, we immediately just turned that thing into a zoo. And, you know, for the first 10 weeks, like. You know, cats from D.C. would come up, like, 10, 15 cars deep mm-hmm. every Friday to Philly, Um and it just kind of worked. Cause, A- around you know,
1: what year was this? Shit, when was this?
2: I guess this was, was, was about 06, maybe, something okay. like this, 05, okay. something, somewhere in that, in that neighborhood. And okay. um So, yeah, it just kind of worked, man. The, the, the women in Philly were like, who are these, you know, dudes? And I was like, you know, he's my boys from D.C., and... You know, the guys from D.C. were like, who are these women? I'm like, these are women from Philly. Enjoy. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so between that and the Howard connection and, you know, everybody just kind of moving around, it you know, it just got real loud real quick. And then, you know, again, Taz came up there and, you know, kind of blessed it, saw what we were doing um, and suggested, like, you know, why don't you guys come down to D.C.? So my, my best friend JB and I, um, you know, we, we said, like, yeah, let's see what we can do. Came back to D.C. D. He was living in D.C. okay. So I came down, crashed on his couch for what had to be about three, three or five months. Um, and
1: then you finally decided to move back to D.C.
2: Yeah. It, I mean, it got it got hot quick.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: so, we, you know, we just kind of partnered with, you know. So everybody who's kind of doing it now is kind of like how, who we work with. So, like Dave and Ray,
0: mm-hmm.
2: who are doing um, The nightlife, you know, Ra-Ra and Scotty. Yep. Um, yeah, obviously, like I said, Mark and Taz, Talk of D.C., you know, it's so like, this is like a
1: throwback. For yeah, like, so like all these all, all these teams and, 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 and then, names are like, throwing out. And then like
2: all the DJs, you know, like you know, Dirty Hands mm-hmm. and DJ Oz and DJ Money, yep. you know, you know, and then you know, just like so, so many of the people who were kind of like gave birth to this new newer wave that's out here right now. Yeah. Like, you know, this is that era. Um, so and we just did it once with
1: it. The name team bbc was yeah. that start that was that name created while you were still in philly, philly doing the parties or did that happen once you got back to DC? i love the
2: fact that you've done your research that's dope i um. told but
1: look okay
2: let <laughs> me, let me just
1: let y'all know something so like some of y'all know so some of y'all who know me know like i've always had a thing for nightlife events event marketing lifestyle events all that type of stuff i've even you know had my hands in that pot you know here and there but Whenever I see, I watch what other people are doing, you know, out of just overall knowledge, just to know what the the competition is, as well as just out of admiration. And like, what y'all were doing back in like 08, 09, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, yo, they doing stuff like... You didn't, I didn't see that happening in D.C. before or after. You know what I mean? Well, after, yeah, but not before. So
2: that, so that means I got to give you the secret sauce then. All right. Well, <laughs> all right.
1: Well. I, we ain't got to fast forward, but I just wanted to give people some background as to, like, how, what, where this is going to go. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, but So back to the Team BBC name.
2: Yeah. So team. So team BBC. So what happened was, um, so when we were an undergrad, um, me, Dr. Brian Scott, Dr. Thomas Butler, Dr. Brandon Omanagafor, Iman Kennelly's an MBA, JB's an MBA. We were kind of all doing it. So mm. I don't know if you remember that movie from like the '80s, '90s, uh, The Billionaire Boys Club. So they they started <laughs> on the campus. I saw that. Yeah. So they started calling it. You got to watch. This. It's a crazy movie. But okay. uh, so they started calling us The Billionaire Boys Club because they it kind of looked like we were all gonna be doing something. Um, and it just so we just turned into the BBC. It kind of stuck. Um, and then we we started going to different places, um, you know, compound in Atlanta or, I don't know, just clubs all around the country. And we just kind of would just, you know, kind of just hang out by tables. You know, we just kind of got known as the BBC. And then mm. when we kind of knew we needed a website, um, we looked for it. And it was funny, man, just um, – you know how you do the the domain search? Yeah. One of the suggestions they made was Team B I've actually never told anybody this. Um Then one of the suggestions they made was Team BBC. And I was like, you know, yeah, there's no I IN team, we're a group, like, yo, this this works, you know what I'm saying? And something just about it just cracked. Um, so we got at it. Um That's crazy. So when like <laughs> that's that's that we just got at it. And yeah. so like in Philly, um, you know, we were doing the parties and we were going well, and then my boy Gigi um, who's actually doing big things up here now in um, energy? He went to Howard with us. He was like, "Yeah, man, you should check out this MySpace thing." Uh, I seen a lot of I get a lot of party invites on MySpace, so mm-hmm. I got on that to start putting them bots to work. Um, and then I was like, well, I don't, "What else I could do with this?" So at the time, I was like one of the first people at Temple to have a Facebook account. That's back when it was just all colleges. Um, and I was I remember calling people, telling them like, "Man, it's this thing called Facebook. You should really check it out." So yeah. anyway, we were the first people to to use that Facebook event setting to actually to to put it towards parties. Okay. So we did that. I started doing multiple accounts, which is obviously against Facebook codes and violations, or whatever else. But um, we just hit it. I remember getting like personal, personalized letters from Yahoo, Facebook, you know, just all the big names, because we were just like terrorizing the internet. Um, as far as getting the word out about the parties, as far as just kind of, you know, putting the internet to the for us. We were like the first ones, you know, doing that. So that's kind of how we got big nationally quick. And then we would follow it up by doing parties in different cities. So, you know, making Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, LA, New York, um, obviously Philly, D.C. Um, did a, and Then we did a ton in Texas um, and just kind of had all them things working at you know, at once kind of before the internet got so crowded with everything that you see now with Instagram, Snap, and, you know, everything else.
1: Just being early adopters. That's
2: that's what it was, man. We just really got out there and then, you know, it's, it's, we, you know, I always kind of tell people I put a doctorate level um, intelligence and work ethic into what is a traditionally dumb man's game, right? So, you know, it's just like anything. I mean, if you put that sort of discipline, determination, and drive towards something that is, that people just kind of take very casually... You know, you're going to outrun people, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So they started doing that. Then I started doing my own graphic design because, you know, every graphic designer, you would reach out to it. You know, it, it was just not as many at the time. Yeah. So you reach out to somebody, take a week, two weeks to get something. I'm like, bro, I need this in an hour. I need two hours. Like, what are you doing? You <laughs> like can get I that did, done now.
1: I need the quick turnaround. Yeah, you you know, know what I'm saying?
2: So you, could, you, you can do that now. But, you back, know, back, back then, then yeah. it was just like, bro, so I, so I started learning to Photoshop myself. And then. You know, kind of refine that thing, and then you know, just kind of became my own machine with it, okay. and just and just kind of went at it.
1: Okay. So when you came back to DC, and like, you know, you're you're here, you you mm-hmm. move back. What was, what was the 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 nightlife scene here like at that time?
2: So I mean, it was it was Mark and Taz, you know, and it was you know everybody in that crew, you know, the Dannys and Mike Walkers of the world, um, and then you know Mark and Taz were just shining.
1: And we still talking like two thousand six, two thousand seven.
2: Yeah, going somewhere in that somewhere in that area, maybe okay. a little late, a little bit earlier, but um, yeah, we still we were doing it, um, and they were still doing it in that in that era. Mm-hmm. And you know, I kind of knew how impactful it was because you know at Howard, and you know, I lived off that Republic Gardens. You know, Friday happy hour thing. Like, that's literally one of the reasons that I'm alive today because, mm-hmm. you know, had no money in your pocket, going <laughs> there, you know, drink and eat for free, you know, for most of the night, you know, it's kind of, you know, kind of learn how to be in that world. Yeah. So, um, so coming, fast forward, come back to DC, you know, Mark and Taz still doing it. Taz is, the, you know, still that dude, Um, still my dude. And what we did was we started, Dave and Ray and I, um, this was Talk of DC, Dave and Ray, uh ra Scott, Scotty, and a few other people. Um, we started doing these parties called the 1693. So 1693 was like the year they invented champagne. So we were like, we're gonna shell some champagne, you know, we're gonna kind of show people kind of the global traveling, you know, that type of partying overseas aesthetic that we've been used to. We're gonna kind of bottle it up, sell it, and bring it to DC. So um we did these parties at Olives, we did these parties at Teatro. And, I mean, these things were just crazy. Like, mm-hmm. people would drive from Philly, New York, and, like, just double-park their cars and leave them and go inside the party, and, yeah. you know, and it was crazy. You know, we were bringing people like Darren Sharper down. Um, and this is after we had already built and done Beza, so we had, like, the connections to, you know, Samantha Ronson and Kim Kardashian mm-hmm. and, that, and that whole crew. And, um... You know, at the time like the, the biggest creative in that world was a dude named Marquise Perkins. Who I uh, interviewed a yeah, few weeks so, back.
1: That's 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 one of my mentors.
2: So if you can imagine, like so kinda everyone, you know, he's he was a destination DC to start his own creative agency, mm-hmm. you know, some of the best commercials that DC's put out, he's been behind. So if you can like this is the brain trust that's in the room behind these parties. Right, right. Um and then like, you know, I'm not gonna list the you know, the women involved at the time but you because know, there's too many Bittersweet moments with all that, but
0: (laughs) but like I said, I mean
2: it was the same thing on that side as well. So if you can imagine, like you know all the women who were doing it in the city, you know they were all a part of this thing, and it was and was cool because our approach to it was a diverse approach. It was black, white, it was whatever you are. Like if you just kind of wanted to come and you know chill with some good looking, you know well mannered, upper mobile folks, like you know this is what it was. It was no headache. Everybody's VIP, you know, we're not trying to juice anybody, none of that. Stand outside, let me tap you, you know, you get in. It was just like it was like kinda partying in Paris. Like Mm -hmm. if you if you walk up to the door in Paris and, you know, you look like, you know, you should be in this party, and I don't mean like aesthetically, like you're wearing the super expensive suit or whatever. If you you have that aura about you, you know, you coming inside. So we tried to, you know, bring a lot of that to D C.
1: So y'all basically were able to just blend it was like a merging, a perfect merging of just like you know the right taste level yep. with like just like authentic, dope, yeah, coolness. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's exactly what <laughs> it was, know, man. Just like which you know. which you don't. A lot of people don't associate like you know, I guess like anything like that's like upscale and 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 like refined with like authentic dope and cool and creative and just like fly yeah. you know it's like one you can't have one they're not synonymous and one is stuffy and the other one isn't yeah you know but y'all able we're able to merge it together and it worked
2: yeah and, they, and we you know we kind of come from that you know happy to you know or lucky to make it out of the hood you know blessed to make it out of you know humble circumstances so I mean, you know, it's kind of like a an honesty almost, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not going to stun on you to get in this party now because, you know, I'm at the door or it's my party. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I want everybody to come here and have a good time. And I want, you know, everybody to kind of experience this thing. Um, and, you know, you know, as long as you keep it humble, you keep it, you know, keep it approachable. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward, pretty easy, you know?
1: Okay. So before I tell you about one event that y'all did that really stood out to me... Uh-oh. um. In terms of like at this point in DC nightlife, like, did you see? I'm I'm assuming that you saw others like mimicking what y'all were doing, or attempting to mimic what y'all were doing, yeah. um, or even like some people just kind of just stuck in, in in a bygone era, or just yeah. like they weren't trying to catch come up with the times. You yeah. know what
2: I mean? So so I mean we were kind of in the middle of that, right? So. You know, 'cause so, this is like
1: mid to late two thousands we talk about. Yeah, so yeah. so
2: so Taz, you know, like I said, Taz tapped us and he was like, Man, you should come over here, you know, we're doing this thing called Park. You know, y'all should come kinda come look at it. Yeah. Um and I was like, uh, you know, we kinda sitting on the fence like, yeah. he was like, No, nah, I'm telling you, man, you should kinda come come check it out. So we, you know, we went. Um, I didn't really see ourselves doing it at first. Um, you know, then Mark Barnes kinda he came to one of the parties and was like, Yeah, I'm just gonna force y'all to be a part of what we're doing over at Park. Yeah. Um So yeah, so it was as far as, like, the mimicking thing, I mean, it, it was a lot of that. But, at, you know, in all honesty, like, the, the reason I kind of, you know, was able to kind of shape our parties and look the way they were is because we got an email from Miami, the 400 Club. They were doing it big in Miami at the time. Mm. Um, where they were just kind of getting started. They, they went to crazy heights in Miami. And, you know, I remember Dave being like, yo, I, you know, can we do something like this? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And then we just kind of took that and t- turned it into a whole nother level of aesthetic. Um, and, and then also, like, with a – you know, a real digital pull through. Okay. Um so there's you know, there was like secret sauce with, you know, the R S V P list and Secret Sauce with how we were communicating with people mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So if there was any, you know, real bygone era, it was probably like the old guard taking too long to catch up to the digital space. Mm-hmm. And then the new guard or newer than us guard, um, uh, for lack of a better term, like taking too long to understand the value of aesthetic. Um
1: attention to detail. Attention to
2: detail, stuff like that. And then also I you know, like you know, when you when you're younger and you know and broke, you know, it's kinda hard to really understand, you know, what those levels of nightlife are. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's just something you gotta go do. You know, you gotta go to live, you know, you gotta stand on the table at live. You know, you got to go out to Greystone, you know, shout out to my boy Jern, you know, who would come out here as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Greystone in
2: L.A., right? Yeah, yeah, Greystone in L.A. and, you know, some of these other places, you know, um, not only here but overseas to kind of get it and see it. You know, you got to go to Vegas, Tau, you know, do stuff like this, you know, back when Tao was Tao, And, I mean, it still is, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, and and, you know, you have to be able to do that, see it, process it without it being – and get it right because it's. I mean, it's real. At the end of the day, it's just a damn party.
1: And I, I still do that. You know like, what I'm saying? I, I might. I don't be having the same energy I used to <laughs> right. have, but I'll <laughs> still go to a club and just like watch. That's like, what it should be. My first time out yeah. in there, I'll always watch. Like I watch the DJ, I watch the crowd. Like I watch it. Like I'm the damn nightclub. Owner. As, should, as because, you Because, like, nightlife was like one of my one of one of my early interest as it relates to, like, arts and entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted... When I was 17, I was like, I want to own a nightclub, you know? I even remember... I tell the story so much, but I remember first time I heard a radio ad for Love. Right, right. Um... Which later became dream for anybody who doesn't know. But um when I first heard I would never heard a ad like a, ra- a nightclub ad like that. I was seventeen, going on eighteen. And I was like, I'm gonna be eighteen in a couple yeah. of months. I'm gonna be able to get in there. Cause like just hearing this woman with this really sexy, sultry voice, I never heard that. You right. used to hearing the guy on the radio yelling you yelling at you, telling you to come out. Right. Uh women free before twelve, whatever the case may be. And you hearing this woman and you just already knew, like, I right, I don't know what's gonna be inside this building. Right. But you know it was gonna be a different experience. And that is what that and also seeing what um Ian Schrager and Steve Rubel did at Studio yeah, 54. Incredible. Those yeah. two yeah. those just it, those two experiences at those moments, for me, I was like, I wanna be in nightlife. Someway, somehow I wanna do it, and I wanna do it like that. You yeah. know what I mean? So
2: um But that's uh, but that's that's a big part of it, right? Like you know, you know the gods of who have done this. Like, you mm-hmm. know, Ian Schrager, like you know, I'll go stay in one his hotel just, right, just because right. you know. And
1: people probably don't even know that they like. Yeah, there's not who who owns this hotel, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? What he's done, yeah. you know what I mean? And just how he continues to just still, like forty years later, like level up.
2: Yeah. So that, so that's you know that's kind of how I at the time and even you know to this day kind of look at Mark Barnes like there's nobody who's ever really. Regardless of how people feel about him, what mm-hmm. you think about him, you know, if you've been, if its a lot of people who have opinions about him who have never met him, which right. is you know, let you know kind of how much he's done. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you if you're black, you know, and have really done anything in this country, you have bumped into a Mark Barnes event or production or marketing campaign absolutely at some point. Period. Absolutely. And like I said, when you come talking about attention to detail. You know, there's there's nobody who has a greater attention to detail. Mark, you know, Mark he
1: said the same thing about per- him. Period. Said, said like, the same thing about Marquis. You know,
2: I've been in the Basement of Love, and, you know, first of all, the Basement of Love is as big as, <laughs> you know, most nightclubs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Basement of Love, like, would be was the cleanest, you know, most well-organized space, you know, that you've ever seen, you know, before Park. Mm-hmm. Anything that man put his hands on is about details, about attention, you know. His company's name influence Mark. He was he was the first person, in my opinion, to understand influence marketing, period. You know, in in that way. You yeah. know, I, I remember staying outside, you know, Dream, you know, opening night, and uh, I remember my, my boy B Scott was like, he's eh, like, all right, you know, this looks like a hotel. You know, I'm like, man, we are not at a hotel, man. We at a nightclub. You know, he was like, yeah, you're right. You know, and it was just that type of experience, man. Yeah, yeah. Concierge desk, anything you needed.
1: Dream was serious, I mean, man. Was, I'm telling it was, there's you, not, like, there's, there's nothing like, everybody that place, man. I know who came to Howard who wasn't even from here it was like, we got to go to Dream. It was nothing like it. And then after that Hey Mom video, it I, was a wrap. Period. <laughs> period.
2: I mean, he, he, he was the first person to really understand how to integrate these brands into it. I don't know if you remember that Great Goose Room that he had upstairs. Mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there was the, the joint that you have with the bank teller that shoots the uh, that canister yep. from, the, from you to the teller, there was several of those in, in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I mean, just yeah, the, the amount of money spent on fish. You know what I'm saying? And them t- I mean, like real yeah, fish, real fish. Um, I mean, it was uh, just an incredible experience, man. So, like I said, you got to anytime we have these sorts of conversations, you always got to give it back to, you know, that whole crew, man. You know, Mark Barnes, A.G., uh, Danny Davis, you mm-hmm. know, that whole Taz, of course, that whole network of people who, you know, not only just, you know, nationally, but internationally have kind of like really gave people a color, a space to, you know, kind of you know, enjoy themselves. Absolutely. And you have to kind of, you know, always throw it back to them.
1: Well, speaking of events on that level, like, I remember Casino Royale. <laughs> when y'all did that, when Team BBC did the Casino Royale. So I didn't make it out. Uh, full disclaimer. I didn't make it out. However, I saw all the- New Pro- Year's? Was that a New Year's during the love? I, uh, it might have been a New Year's event. Yeah. But I just remember when I saw the promo for it, I was just like- I got to go to this, man. Like, I got to go. I think I fell asleep.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I was like, wow, they like taking just like, they just flipping this whole non-casino space
2: yeah.
1: into a casino for the night.
2: Yeah, but that's the type of stuff that Mark lets you do, you know? man. Like, if you had an idea, you know, I could, I could run as far as I want to. He would finance, you know, the rest of it. He put the logistics and the organization together. So, and that's kind of what you need as a creative, right? Like, mm-hmm. you just need somebody who's going to make sure everybody gets in safe. Make sure everybody the logistics are together, you know. I can just worry about just doing dope stuff like that's kind of how I, you know, learn to merge those two sides of my brain and just kind of, you know, go at it.
0: Right? You right. gotta have
2: you gotta have. It. I mean if you kind of go back through history, there's always, you know, people like that. There's always a creator and there's always like a just logistics person, mm-hmm. and or teams of those t- things. And dope, that's, you know, not to get too far off track, but like when I hear creatives talk about, you know, just going into this weird, you know, dope. Um, just outer space, like, you know, I, I love it and I want that, right? But I always like, you know, somebody's got to keep these lights on in here. You right. know, somebody's got to, you know, put the paint brushes where they need it. Somebody's got to go buy the, the canvas. Somebody's got to go do these things. Somebody's got to make sure people get in and out of this thing safe. Mm-hmm. You know, who is that person? Where is your team at? You know, or if that's you, cool, you know, we let's figure that out. But, you know, don't forget, you know, all the elements of, you know, what it is that we do that allows us to be creators.
1: Okay. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, that having that business acumen, I mean, that's that's what hurts many creatives because they don't because like it's not there. You know what I mean? Whether whether you went to school for whatever your creative lane is or not, many too many creatives just don't have that. And they don't have anybody around them with it. Um, They reach out for it and can't seem to get it, you know, so they end up just being stuck and going in circles and never really like moving forward and moving up like their talent you would think their talent would allow for them to do
2: yeah and it's a terrible i mean it's a terrible space though if you think about like how many people have taken advantage of creators or Mm -hmm. how many people will like limit a creative based on i was like yeah i'm gonna give you this but i you know i need you to be in this very narrow lane i need you to pump out stuff that you don't believe in i need you to pump out stuff that you know may not be good and i'm gonna give you this check or i'm gonna give you this rent money to do that so it's a it's a hard space to navigate man and um you know, oddly enough, I <laughs> I would say to any creator, if you, or especially um, if you're trying to get quick business acumen, outside of all the books that are out there, just listen to Jay Z's catalog. Like, you know, start it, start it from the beginning, you know, from the very top, reasonable doubt, and then, like, just l- literally sit back, you know, open up Genius on your laptop, mm-hmm. play the whole joint, and listen to what this man's saying. Like, you know, why give him the, cr- the credit as. I only like calling him an MC because he's something different at yeah. this point, right? But yeah. whatever he is, like, you know, he laid out a blueprint, literally no pun intended, you know, about how you can go from not having things to having things. Right. And if you figure out what it is that you want, you know, he can—he has kind of laid out a path to get you there. Okay. Period. So.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So since you brought up Jay-Z's catalog, uh, what is some, some... I'll say this. i ask you this. What are some some lines that came to mind so the, or songs the, that came to mind when you were, like, stuck and you were like, okay, I need to figure my way out of this.
2: Uh, the Grammy Family Grammy family Freestyle. Okay. That is the most distilled-down version of Jay-Z's knowledge that I've seen
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, when it comes to business. And then I think that culturally the best and most distilled-down version is uh, Oceans. Okay. So... I mean, like, uh, you know, see Martin, see Malcolm, see Biggie, see Pac, see success in his outcome, see Jesus, see Judas, see Caesar, see Brutus, see success is like suicide. Suicide is a suicide. If you succeed, prepare to be crucified. Media medals, niggas who you settle, every step you take, they remind you you ghetto. So it's tough being Bobby Brown to be Bobby then. You got to be Bobby now. You know. So, I mean, I mean, I could go on. I could spit fan. this entire you, you, thing You're for a fan, fan and
1: you really, re, you've really listened. Yeah, but, think about, I mean, but, <laughs>
2: but think about what he's saying, right? He goes to, he goes to this cultural place of, like, you know, you know, think about, you know, Caesar. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Brutus really came at this dude. Mm-hmm. You know, so who are you to think you're going to sit in this chair and be successful and that your mans might not come at you? You know what I'm saying? Right, or,
0: right.
2: Or, you know, so many of us creators, we get very self-righteous, right, about, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm doing what Mark, Martin did. I'm doing what Malcolm did. And it's like, well, you know how that ends up, right? You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like if you're really about this mission, understand what you're about. Right. Um, and that's just the truth, man. Like, if you if you succeed, you know, you're going to be crucified in some way or another. Absolutely. So, I mean, and it's just like, it's just a million gems out there, you know, with him. And I think that, you know, besides him, I think the, you know, the one that you kind of listen to to kind of center yourself is the, the RZA. You know, RZA got a song called uh, 12 Jewels. Um, like, he's like... Um, on the corner of my block, there stood this old man, a black immigrant from the land of Sudan, who used to tell stories to the children in the building, but never had a dollar to keep his pockets filled in. He bombed me on Deuteronomy, the science of astronomy, but didn't know the basic principles about economy. I said, the wise man don't play the role of a fool. The first thing a man must obtain is 12 jewels. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding to help you achieve freedom, justice, equality, food, clothing, and shelter. After this, love, peace, and happiness. He had the nappy his head. I told him... Total satisfaction is to achieve one goal in the scheme of things. He who works like a slave eats like a king. You know what I'm saying? And I mean that's that's RZA, right? That's our Mozart. You know, that's Jay Z. That's you know, that's our Wordsworth. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like if, if they, you know, they put it in, they put it to music. You know, you don't have to read nothing. Just sit back and listen to it. Like if you can't learn from these people, then you know it's gonna be hard for you to learn your way through any of this type of stuff. So.
1: Nah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're right. So. At what point, you're deep you're deep in the nightlife game, you know, y'all winning, getting wins here, left and right, you know what I mean? When did you start, when did you, okay, before you opened Smith Commons, mm-hmm. before you went into the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. was it, how did that happen? Let me just start there. How did it happen? Was it presented to you or were you just thinking like, okay, it's time for a change?
2: So, I I I knew it was time for a change when I realized I had get, had the game fucked up, like.
1: Okay, explain. Um, Cause you were just saying like you know like, I got it, you know. Yeah,
2: so I I, I did. I really did. I really had them. Mm-hmm. That and that was the thing. Like I really had them, and I understood. I mean, I, I mean, we being real, I'm gonna just be just be real. Yeah, be so, real, man. I remember we were throwing these parties, right, and. It, it just wasn't enough black women coming out to these parties, right? Okay. It was tons of international women, all that sort of thing. And, you know, it was this was a weird time in the culture. So it was kind of creating, you know, a bit of tension in the city and at some of these parties, some you know, that type of thing. So, you know, I'm, somebody asked me, like, yo, how do we get, you know, more black people or black women specifically to come out to these parties? Mm-hmm. And I was like, just as a knee jerk, I was like, you need to put a white woman on the flyer. And, you know, that's a real thing, right? So I didn't know at the time what I was saying.
1: Okay. Why did you say that at that time?
2: Because my, my mind was fucked up. Okay. You know, it was it was it's an honest statement, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of what it is, right? When you master marketing, you, you kind of really master how to make people feel bad about themselves, mm-hmm. right?
1: And so, basically, it's triggering something in people's yeah. subconscious like, oh, this is going to, this ain't going to be no hood function. Yeah. This is gonna be a classy affair. No, but
2: even but even worse. So that's what I thought at the time, but what I'm really saying via this this artwork I'm putting out is it's not gonna be you, right? I'm really I'm really doubling down on self-hate
0: okay. at that point. That's mm-hmm.
2: what great marketing is, right? Like yeah. if you think I seen this um sixty minutes the other day and dude was like the technology companies now who are learn how to influence us, they're in a he called it a, a race to the bottom of the brainstem, right? So really saying that, you know, I'm trying to get at your most primal fears your most, you know, intimate secrets. I'm trying to touch you, you know, in a place that you can't can't fight this marketing. You can't fight this influence. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were doing. We were, you know, not, obviously not on purpose and obviously not, you know, in a devious manner. Right. But, you know, what I was putting out into the universe, I'm preying on people's fears almost, Mm preying on people's um, insecurities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of saw what it was doing to people, right? So it was... The way that we were doing it, it was people coming to these events thinking that this was the end all and be all. And I'm like, nah, bro. This this is just something that we do in passing. We all have advanced degrees. We're all trying to get in different ways. You know, we're all parts of the culture. We're all parts of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more to it than just coming to these events. In the way that you're coming to these events, you right. know what I'm saying? Right, right, it's right. one thing you come and you network, and it's a part of your social scene. It's another thing if you it's a if when it becomes an aspirational goal that you're making sacrifices on the part of your life to get to, right? Yeah. Losing great relationships, you know, not handling your business in other ways because you think it's about this party life, you know, or the conspicuous consumption piece of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whereas, you know, if you got it, you know, cool. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have it but you're overreaching so that you can show me that you have it, you know, then we have a we have a problem. Okay. And I kind of got to the place where, like, oh, I'm, I'm responsible for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So... You know, so that kind of, I think that kind of happened for a lot of people at the same time, and, you know, nightlife just kind of took a different turn, right? So it went from suit and ties to, you know, something different, which is cool. I like that transition in the culture. Um,
1: something different, like just more casual
2: in appearance? Yeah, more more casual in appearance, which is cool, but, um, you know, at a, simultaneously it was like a change in the uh, event spaces, right? So a lot less people really caring about what, this, what these things look like. You know, a lot of Mark Barnes imitation. You know, imitations.
1: Yeah. Um, without without the sweat without, equity.
2: Without the sweat equity. Without the understanding of what you know what you're really doing out here. Um, and then like the prices kind of get messed up on these things because you know, dope boys in different places. You know, giving talent ten times what they should be getting paid to come out, and it just kind of destabilizes. Oh that wow! Whole market. I did,
1: so okay. So what's the whole thing? back I didn't. I didn't know that they was like overpaying. Yeah, so just like cause, you, just because they just didn't know No, nah, because
2: it, it, it's just it's just dope money. And so they it's just like
1: whatever we, we want you here so we yeah, can so have we got, the dopest party.
2: Exactly. We got X Club in Florida. You know we ain't really worried about making no money. We just stunting. So like imagine you go from just stunting buying bottles to stunting like I am the club. You know what I'm saying? And you don't really care if you make money or not. You just out here stunting because it's all you know it's all dope money. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that kind of happens and it messes up the market. So you know you go down south and get. A hundred thousand dollar bag from somebody, you know, and I know you a ten thousand dollar appearance fee, you know, you're gonna you gonna have you are not gonna answer that call about that ten thousand dollars no more. Okay. So so that and then you know, some of the changes in liquor, some some of the changes in consumption, obviously a generational shift kinda changed the nature of, you know, the mega club. So the mega club started going away, you start going to yeah. more a lot more intimate lounge or smaller mm-hmm. type of function. And then there was I,
1: I miss I miss the mega super club yeah actually. man it but was that's a, that's my era yeah you know what I mean so
2: so and then there was so it end ended up being a vacuum in the culture for like you know just like genuine you know artistic creative things mm-hmm. so that's kind of Because you
1: got less of a space to fill up exactly so people just in a a room that's as big as say like this floor exactly and you're just gonna have a DJ yep y'all going just stand around maybe dance take some pictures <laughs> and it's,
2: it's, it's kind of like i don't know how y'all look at this it's fun but you know just standing around is not you know i, come, I like i like dancing i like you know i, I like interacting with folks you know uh, kind of moving through the space you know everybody knows like oh you know you you with your folks in the club like oh let's do a walk around let's walk mm-hmm. through the club let's do the walk through you know and just kind of see what's going on just talk some people bump some people you know you know that's just a lot more fun than just kind of standing around looking at each other so
1: so i'm gonna am gonna throw this out there yeah. um I have to say, during that shift, because mm-hmm. I remember the shift that you're talking about. Um, I'd have to say, the party that we created, we as when I, we as in when I was with Rock Creek Social Club, yeah, okay. when we created Good Life Tuesdays, that was, that was nothing like that. That was that was that was the one party that was going on at a club downtown in DC, was which normally is just like all bottle service, whatever. And like in an intimate lounge space where people really still party. That, no, that
2: thing that thing was incredible. You I know? enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a, a bunch of times. That was that is was exactly what the culture needed at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then you know it was a ah shit. I I've been in there many nights. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, that was a, a, a very good experience.
1: So you saw this change happening. So what were your thoughts? Like what was you were thinking about an exit strategy? I'm assuming at this point. Well, I was you know
2: I was kind of just really. You know, really getting into myself, man, like, just, you know, just kind of, you know, you kind of leave that space. I was being genuine in the nightclub, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I had to continue to be genuine, you know, outside of the nightclubs. and I'm into beer, you know, I'm into good food, you know, I come from the South, so, you know, bad food's not a thing. You know, my grandma was, you know, he, he, we was farming the table before that was a thing. It was, yeah. you know, it was go outside and pick them butter beans and bring them in here, and I was... <laughs> I was farming the table, I didn't even know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, you know, just kinda of, just kinda of looking at the things I like to do and this you know, how can I keep how can I keep doing what I want to do and, you know, try to keep the lights on? And I think that's really what the, the game is in America, is if, you know, to find out just who you are as a person, what you would do that you wouldn't consider work, what you would do for free. And if you can, you know, get a bag to do that, you know, you kinda of beat the system. Mm-hmm. Um so You know, so the natural evolution was, you know, continuing to um, have those spaces that you can interact with people because that's something I do love. Um, I kind of saw this craft beer thing happening, and I've been a beer fan, you know, for years. Um, You know, there was really nobody black doing beer at the time. And, you know, we've been drinking beer for a minute. You know, we invented beer. But, you know, this craft beer wave kind of missed us, left us for some for some strange reason um so i was like you know let me see if i can't marry these worlds mm-hmm. and you know so a lot of my you know my homies uh steve cardello from Omen Gang, duval um just a lot of my beer friends man we kind of powwowed on what was going on and you know just started putting together great craft beer menus um built out smith commons um and then when the president came to smith commons you know that kind of just became its own animal after that
1: absolutely so smith, Com- smith commons opened 2011 uh ten. Twenty so,
2: ten. Yeah, so it was New Year's New okay. Year's uh day, New Year's Eve then. Yeah.
1: Okay, okay. And I just know, I mean, I know when I learned of it, I was just like, oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I mean, one, I was just, I'm just always just like, you know, okay, black owned space, uh and they're not doing like, you know, the typical just like here's a soul menu, boom. Right, and that's it. You know, and yeah. like Typical bar, you know, like, I walked in, I was just like, okay, there, there's still soul, the soul food element, but, like, it's not just, like, macaroni and cheese, cheese, right. fried chicken, yeah. you know, like, and then looking at the bar options, that's what got me even more, because, like, I'm always going to places, and so I'm like, okay, can I get a cocktail here, right. or could I get a beer here that's not Heineken right. or right. Bud Light, yep. you know what I mean, and especially if it's a black owned establishment, you know what I mean? Because like, I mean, black people, we like what we like, but for those of us who, you know, our palates are like wider, you know what I mean? Like I want to have those options like you just named, you know what I mean? Or like have um, different liquor options that you wouldn't normally see, you know what I mean? So I was amazed. I was like, I'm with it. You know what I mean? And so I'm sure the reception has been just as good ever since.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, You know, it started out. uh, My frat brother Jerome Bailey and I. You know, we jumped into the project, and you know, he's a huge real estate developer flying on the radar here in DC. I mean, he's he owns a a lot of DC that people just don't even know about. You know, incredible brother. You know, smart as they come, um, and is a master builder too. So, you know, we kind of put some. I put my design ideas out there. He brought them to life, and um, you know, just kind of ran with it from that from that cultural standpoint. And Mm -hmm. you know, so. You know, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, at one point I was like a mirror on, you know, the lesser parts of us, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Well, at least internally. And and then this project and then, you know, moving into some of the newer projects, I wanted to be kind of a mirror on some of the better parts of us. Right, right. You know, and, you know, we're, you know, there's no way to, you know, no different way to put it. Black people are connoisseurs, and Mm -hmm. we've always been connoisseurs, like- you know, we will find the best of anything. Mm -hmm. We will find the best fashion. We will find the best car. We will find the best food. We will find the best of anything because that's just a part of our DNA. It's how we've always been, Mm -hmm. you know. You know, we're kings and queens in that that way. So, you know, really that's kind of where I'm at now, just kind of getting back to bringing some of that natural aesthetic, natural element, you know, package it in a way that might be transitional for a lot of people. Yeah. And then making it very obvious about how this has always been a part of ours and I mean a part I of say you've
1: definitely done a good job so far I appreciate you know that. what I mean like because I mean I got I know people gone in there to Smith Commons even Smith Public Trust we're getting ready to, I'm getting ready to talk to you about mm. um who just a few years ago or even a few years prior to Smith Commons open like would have never gone yeah they wouldn't have been with it they would have looked at the menu just be like eh uh how much for a burger that can't even that's not even a i was going for the cheapest option was right. like ah yeah. you know i couldn't find something at the bar that they could drink other than maybe like some vodka yep. or something like that you know really like testing the waters for something different yeah. you know what i mean to just evolve their palates and like for me i'm always drawn to people who are wanting to um as Dame Dash always says, better their taste. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. like, And just make it known, like, you know, you can engage with this too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is if you got the money to spend on it, you can have it too. Right. You know and, what I mean? And that's
2: a part of our job is kind of, you know, keeping that price point, you know, low enough. You know, yeah, you, you're you not going to walk away with as much profit as, as you could, you know, in the short term. But mm-hmm. in the long term, you know, playing the volume game, like controlling that price point so it is approachable to people, mm-hmm. you know, is a big part of it. And that's why we named it Smith. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's a Smith. You know, Smith is the most common last name in the Western world. You know, we wanted to 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 be about that. So Smith Common, it's like a, a, a double or triple entendre on that, right? Okay. It's about common man. If you go in there, about the metalwork and the woodwork. It's about common people, where they come from, um, and making it approachable. Because, like, what I learned, you know, like back in the South or back in Tarborough's. You know, a lot of people will go to Applebee's or something like this. Not no knock on Applebee's. Well, actually, knock them. I don't. I don't fucking care. But <laughs> um, you know, you go to a lot of people had this mentality where it's like, oh, I can't go to this restaurant. Haven't looked at it. Haven't seen the menu. Haven't any of that type of stuff. I got to go to Applebee's because of just some like a weird price fixation or something. Yeah. That, and you go to Applebee's, you're not spending twice as much as you will spend at some of these neighborhood you know, dope spots. Yeah. And a lot of that is just a cultural barrier that, you know, that some of us have, that have. And it's not just black or white. You know, a lot of it has to do with money, and I'm sure we could talk culturally and historically about it forever. Absolutely, absolutely. forever. But, you know, it's kind of like you said, man, just just going out here and, and broadening your taste, broadening your horizons. And, you know, I know Steve Jobs said something. Uh, he was like um you know, go out into the world and find the best of the world and then bring it into what you do. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to find the best beer in the world, you know, find what the best chefs were doing. So like our chefs, you know, we sat down, you know, went through the whole molecular gastronomy thing. You know, Carlos wow. Delgado okay. and Frederick DePew and uh, Charnico Kamal, who's over there now. Yeah. Like, you know, doing all of that and kind of seeing how much of this do we need to bring into what we're doing mm-hmm. and how much of this is, you know, just for people who, you know, for let Jose Andres at Mini Bar the master of all that, just kind of do. Yeah. So it's kind of what we did, man. We just went and found the best elements. Let me find the best beer. Let me find the best liquors. Let me find the best, you know, of these things, and just kind of package it up and put it at a price that people can, you know, approach it. Absolutely. Um, It can be a big date for you. It could be, you know, just another Tuesday night. Just
1: do I mean, I, 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 you I, want to approach it. I took my mother there uh, to Smith Commons for brunch, like, sometime last year. First mm-hmm. time there. She's always... You know, just happy to come hang out in the city. But she's also always just amazed at how much the city has changed yeah. since she first moved to this world. area yeah. in nineteen seventy two.
0: Yeah.
1: And like even just coming maybe like once a month into the city or like coming in for work. Yeah. Um she spends much of most of her time in PG County. Um but she enjoyed it. She loved it. She loved the atmosphere, you know. The uh the unisex restroom kind of threw off. She she wasn't ready for that, but <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> but like I said, she loved the atmosphere. She loved like she was like amazed to just see how H Street had changed so much, all of that. So, but the um, unisex bathroom that's a part of it too. Like mm-hmm.
2: you know, we we want to be approachable to all the culture. Like mm-hmm. you know, I I seen this, you know, I, I seen this this bathroom debacle on the horizon. You know, years ago, and okay. I was like. I know what I believe in, I know what I'm about. You know, let's just build on what we do. Yeah. You know, keep it keep it real simple. And uh, you know, it's funny because you know, doing stuff the right way just seems to always be the right way.
1: <sighs> for some it's that they it's too much like right. Too much like right.
2: <laughs> too much like right. Some
1: people can't just do too much like right for some reason. Nah, you that, know.
2: That, that ain't us. We got we got enough of our own headaches to be out here creating more, so
1: so Smith Commons. Then a few years later, you come with Smith Public Trust. Yeah. What was the inspiration to open up Smith Public Trust over in Brooklyn?
2: So, so that's a it's a it's a few things. Number uh, the first thing or one of the major things um, is the artist um, who I was honored to meet and work with to do, you know, the piece that's on the outside of Smith Commons. Um, so his name is Andrew Pizzicaria. He goes by Gaia, world-renowned street artist. Um, young cat, mid twenties, probably one of the most knowledgeable people you'll ever meet. Mm. You know, I w- anybody can go to Gaia dot com, look at what this man is doing around the world. I mean, incredible work and then some for some reason like we just you know, you ever find that mental soulmate, like we are we are that sort of thing. So um I wanted to do two things, right? We kinda helped usher in that new wave on A Street. A Street was already gone and people are kinda planting a flag, but you know, I feel like we kind of brought the suburbs to the hood in some way, to quote another Jay Z line. Um, now you did, and I want to, and I want to kind of a lot of
1: Maryland folk was yeah. coming because of Smith College, yeah.
2: And like I kind of, you know, I kind of wanted to, you know, to do that in Brooklyn as well, right? Because you know everybody talks about gentrification, how bad it is, and how terrible it is, but you know we got to be honest with ourselves too, right? You know since since you know we burnt A Street to the ground in '68, you know after MLK's assassination. You know, we I don't know that we've really done everything that we could have on that street, right? Mm-hmm. So I like to be honest in everything we say. Gentrification is messed up when it displaces people a lot of times. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, people of color, we can plant our flags in these developing neighborhoods and make sure that there's a home for people who kind of, you know, feel like they need a home in these spaces. Yeah. So I saw the same thing coming in Brooklyn, you know. And, we, you know, we're looking at Anacostia in the future because the same thing will happen there. Yeah. You know, it's a natural nature and ebb and flow of economics. You know, you have to figure out how you're going to stem that tide, right? Are you going to be outside in the street protesting inevitable change? You know, or are you going to be, you know, in the kitchen cooking up something that, you know, can help usher in a better future for these kids who you know are going to have to live here? Yeah. So, you know, kind of building on some of those topics with, with, with Gaia, you know, I kind of wanted to, to do more um, with Smith Public Trust. And when I say more, it's just kind of like, you know, exposing people to some of these historical um things that I found in my own personal journeys that I think people are just completely oblivious to. Like, um, you know, like it changes you travel to Europe and you see black people's faces built into these cathedrals and in your mind, like, you know, it's like I've been to the best schools and I've never one time been told that any black people had any influence, you know, on anything in this Western world, especially out throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. And you go and you see whole towns dedicated to, you know, what they call the brotherhood of the blackheads, you know, and that's when I bumped into, you know, that Saint Mauricio, um, Theban King, you know, who is a, is a identified, you know, saint, you know, in Europe. And I'm like, why, where was my lesson on Saint Mauricio? You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know a lot of dudes named Maurice, obviously the name came from this. Yeah. Why, didn't, why how did, how did this piece of the story get left out? Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of building on that, man, I, you know i wanted to do something on you know the the public trust right i seen this kind of this thing coming that we're at right now um these repeated violations of the public trust mm-hmm. you know these repeated you know violations of uh publicly held spaces that are supposed to be for us but somehow or another end up in the hands of corporations or whatever else so just kind of all snowballed in the smith public trust so you know guy and i you know we sat down we came up with the aesthetic. Um, and I wanted to do this one different, man. I wanted to make it look, you know, and feel like, you know, what it is. It's a, it's a, a, an upcycled project that, you know, we built with our hands. Yeah. So,
1: and um, in the perfect location, too. Like, I mean, well, it's perfect because, like, Brooklyn, like, I have to say, of all the neighborhoods I've visited in DC, like, it's one of the few that's got, like, a true, like, still, like, that real neighborhood, neighborhood close yeah, to yeah. community feel. Yeah. You know, um, I spent a lot of time in Brooklyn over the years, like even from my youth, like one of my good, good friends, it's like my god sister, her grandmother, who's like grandmother to me, mm-hmm. she has since passed on, but like she lived there for, like since she came from Jersey to D.C. And I just wish that she were alive to see this Brooklyn now. Because yeah. she would have loved it. She would have been out there on 12th Street at all them spots. <laughs> right. Y'all would have known her, Yeah. you know. So um, that's a that's,
2: so that's piece of the culture that, you know, we want to try to keep alive, right? And I, so every project, I go back and I evaluated, you know, that Rick Ross, you know, looking back to tell the truth, I could have did better. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I look at, you know, Smith Commons, I look at every project. I look back, I'm like, you know, what were my blind spots on this project? Like, how could I have helped more people? How could I have brought more people along, you know, for the ride? You know, how could I have more culture into it? And that's kind of what Smith Public Trust is. You mm-hmm. know, it's really a, you know, it's not necessarily a manifesto, it's more of a, just kinda of bearing witness on what's out here, what's been created, um, and what our responsibilities might be to ourselves, kind of understand, you know, like where we really come from, who we really are. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it sucks that, you know, I gotta sell liquor and beer to get people to learn about themselves, but you know, I'm taking yeah. I'm taking any win I can get at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean people like to eat and drink, you know, and like with with this whole new foodie culture especially, like people are like definitely down for the food and the drink.
2: And that's what, I mean, like I said, whatever whatever I got to do to get you in the door, you know, come on in, come mm-hmm. in, steal one of these books, take it home. You know, that's what, I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do to kind of get people to reconnect with kind of where we come from.
1: Right, right. So, with all that you've done um, up to this point, I'm sure people have asked you, mm-hmm. can you put them on? <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. straight like, hey, can you put me on like? you know put me down man like i'm sure you've gotten that numerous times
2: and 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 that's exactly what i do now okay. i i i do everything i can to put people on so okay. like my thing is I, I like doing righteous shit with righteous people mm-hmm. and that's what we do so that's what um the south by southwest project was about so um
1: and since you get ready to bring that up mm-hmm. i want to say this like something that um stood out um a quote from you um, on the uh, DC Economic Par- Partnership page, mm-hmm. you said, "If you are good at what you do, you will end up in DC at some point."
2: That's 100 percent true.
1: So, speak on that. Why? Why do you believe that? Uh,
2: well, I think I think we kind of get away from the fact that you know DC is the capital of Earth, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't you know I will debate anybody you know at any point about that. Some people say New York, some people say London, you know. A couple of people might say LA or say whatever, but. You know, this is the capital of Earth. You know, all money and power is going to, has to flow through this town at some point. And if you look at, you know, anyone you can name any anyone through history, especially American history, they have all had have done their time in D.C. Mm-hmm. You know, if you kind of go back and look some of those, those pictures of like RFK Stadium, some of the bands that used to play RFK, all the big ones, all the big boys, the Beatles, Bon Jovis of the world, the MJs, like they've all done RFK Stadium.
1: Yeah. I you know even think su- think about um. People like Howard Stern and Wendy Williams, the whole thing. They they got their start at Wol here. Yeah, yeah. you know, Roberta, Roberta <laughs> you know? Flack,
2: you know, cut her teeth at Bohemian Caverns. Like that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Jay Z, like Jay Z, Biggie, Kanye. Like, think mm-hmm. there's no rapper of of great stature that does not throw a shout out to DC, DC yeah. or Howard University or some part of this thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, DC has has a stamp on everyone and. You know, like I said, if you know, and that's just the cultural side of things. I mean, if you're good at what you do from a tech standpoint, you building apps or, you know, you're a business magnet or, you know, real estate mogul, you're going to have to come come bump into D.C. at some point. If you're really big, you're really doing something, you're going to really need a lobbyist and you're going to really need to get some policy change to help you grow your business.
1: And I have to say, even more so than when you were in nightlife, this is when I really saw... Like, when your name came up, D.C. was right next to it, yeah. you know. And I guess, you know, you just went through a whole mental shift, you know. Your, your, your brain was thinking in a different way. And so I just was like, wow, he's like really, really embracing the city and really wanting to help push the creative culture forward and really make sure that people have all the eyes on all the best talent, you know, and do his part to make that, to make that happen. Andre
2: 3000, you know? only if some cool-ass older man to let me know in advance. So, you know that's that's what it is, man. Like it's it. At a certain point, you know,
1: like even down to like the events that you that you've hosted or just allowed people to come host at both restaurants. Yeah. You know, um, like I even saw one like y'all even had a Bible study at Smith Public Trust. Yeah, we do it all the time. You know, we and I was time. like, I was like, wow. <laughs> like I said, so and I'm like, I'm I'm not even like a religious me either. You know, whatever, but like. You know, I was just like that's still cool cuz like I've never seen that.
2: We have Bible studies, we have the atheist meetup group in the back sometimes. Like it's a it's a public trust. It's a mm. publicly held space. I I look at it that way. I I do not charge what I could charge for people to use that space. 9 times out of 10 people use it absolutely free. Mm. Um you know, if you're a band coming in, I'd let you keep your door on your promoted event. Um, I will give away, give, give you the space. It's a stage for people to play. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's it's a it's literally a public trust, It's a community held space. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, if it's it's the same like on our uh, on our uh, Twitter, the pinned tweet is if you know if you get free lunch and somehow or another you can't get to school and get your free lunch, come into public trust, we will feed you. Period. Amazing. And it's, and it's a Amazing. ton of people who come off the streets all the time. You know, we very quietly do all that. I don't like talking about it because that's not what we're in it for. But, right, right. you know, if you if you if 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 you serious, you know, and if we can help you, that's what we're there for. That's that's you know, and I guess like I that I it always sounds cliched and you know all the sort of sort of thing when you you know start talking about it. But that's really what that's the, that's really that business model. But that's really that business strategy. You know, be cool as you can to the community. You know, be a, a publicly held space for the community. You know, try to be good to people where you can, and, you know, that's what it is. So I I, I try to make sure that we, you know, kept overhead low on that, and I did a lot of that by building the space myself. I wanted to really understand what this artist thing was about. So, like, so that that bar you see in there, that's a shipping container, that's a 20-foot shipping container that we couldn't have um, turned into a 40-foot bar. That bar, I mean, that t- top that's on top is a reclaimed floor that we got from out in Maryland at a community forklift that I laid with my hands, painted with my hands, um, every That exposed brick That's us taking the, You know Years of drywall Off of that um, That floor That hand thrown Terrazzo floor That you see That's us pulling up Vinyl from years
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, Everything in the space Is upcycled That pew came from Baltimore um, Yeah man Like that's That's just kind of You know So what you're seeing Is me understanding myself Me learning about myself Me understanding Where I want to position myself In this universe mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's me learning, and I, I want to kind of pl- bring people along. You know, that's those are my breadcrumbs. Like you know, for my kids, if I'm ever fortunate enough to have them, like, this what I this is. You know, it, this is a very, very, very small version of you know the pyramid. This is like, look, <laughs> this is this is where I was at at this moment in this time, and I hope it lasts. And you know, hope, hope hopefully somebody can benefit from it. So okay. I that's mean, public trust.
1: You're doing a hell of a job so far, but. You were getting ready to speak on South by Southwest yeah. and just, like, you know, the DC Showcase and everything that's been going on in the past. It's been, what, like two years? This this was makes the second year?
2: This was actually like the fourth, fourth or fifth year. For, for DC Showcase? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the Showcase, I think, is about four years old, and uh, DC's been going down for about five years. So, okay. um And it's a, a original... Incarnation. That's a brainchild of Tiffany Thacker mm. um, from Economic Partnership and Mayor Gray and Keith Sellers from the Economic Partnership. Okay. Um, so Mayor Gray and that, and that team, um, they saw the need for kind of for D.C. to kind of go out there and wave the flag of, you know, D.C.'s open for business and kind of be involved in these tech spaces, um, that sort of thing. So they kind of went down one year, kind of scoped, scoped the land out um, next year went a little bit bigger I got tapped to chair the community side of the activation so we kind of just kind of stitched together best we could um Demelia Shaw um and Julie Weber who's you know incre- incredible uh, women we all kind of worked together to continue to build it um and then <laughs> you know our our new mayor kind of really understood this project mm. um uh brian kenner deputy mayor you know that entire team you know understood the project and you know they worked hand in hand with the people over at vince dc you know eric moses greg o'dell and their entire team um and they they allowed us to really breathe life into this thing mm-hmm. um so when you just kind of talk about um putting people on that's kind of everybody i, I mentioned is about that same same wavelength And that's really, honestly, one of the coolest things about D.C. You know, there's people out here working for the citizens of D.C. that people will never, ever meet, Mm -hmm. will never bump into. There's a lot of people out here who do not look like you, you know, period, that are every single day out here working for a greater cause. Yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things about D.C. Like, we are very quiet about some of the incredible things that we do out here. And, you know, for South by Southwest, man, like, you know, we built it up. It was you know, it, first year it was a spot called Bungalow on Rainy Street, you know, pretty cool. Um, next year, you know, it was at Scoot In with Wale, you know, awesome. Um, so between that, you know, we did the pop-up outside of uh, Smith Commons with Wale. Yeah, the
1: Wale. Free I concert. Remember, I remember that. You know, Events DC. It was, DC. 2015. It was yep. like, because, like, that was actually, that was, it was a lot going on on 8th Street that day. Because like, I think even, like, that was the same day. Macaddo had opened or they yeah. they were doing their yep. like soft opening or yep. something. So Eric, as yeah. you know,
2: good friend, he you know, he let us do the uh, after party over there. Mm-hmm. Um like exactly what you were talking about before. just kind of putting people on, bringing everybody along for the ride. So, mm-hmm. you know, Eric and I, you know, we've been kicking it since Tokyo Underground before that. You know, we were obviously next door, you know, across the street neighbors from each other. So, you know, we've been building that's kind of what that's that's also the best part about DC. well one of the great parts about DC is that it's it's really a small town, so it's kind of like, yeah. you know, if you're doing it or you're trying to get at it, you know, it's easy to kind of get at other people who are doing it, and it's kind of easy to see who's serious about what they're doing. Yeah, um, So that's, you know, and the ones of us who are, you know, constantly out here working, we're always looking to throw oops to each other on, you know, can I do this at the party of your spot? You know, can I, you know, I got this thing, I can't handle it, can you, you know, can you do something with this? Mm-hmm. Oh, I need this thing here, you know, how can you connect on this? Um so yeah, so yeah, like I said, Vince um Mayor Bowser, um Deputy Mayor Brian Kenner, you know, and a bunch of other people um throughout throughout the administration was like, "Yeah, let's take this thing to another place." So after um South by uh, last year, the head of music programming, um uh, Fu Kaber, he, you know, he pulled me aside, had a meeting, he was like, "Man, I love what you're doing." Um he said, "You should look at going after our largest indoor venue um next year." Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, cool. So I took it back to um, Greg Odell, Eric Moses. They were like, you know, let's see what you got. Yeah. Um, and they put it together. They, you know, they have an incredible team of people over there working. Um, and then, yeah, man, it was like a, a year long sprint. And, and I, we did something magical down there this
0: year.
1: Yeah. Um, word got back to me that, like, all eyes were on, like, the DC house and just everything that y'all had going on, you know, coming out of the city. And I was just like, Wow. It was a magical year down yeah. there,
2: period, man. Like, um, I, I don't know if, how many of you, you know, your listeners are familiar with Udo uh, Gray over at House Studios. Yeah. I mean, he did something so incredible I, at, at South By that quietly was just, you know, made the whole thing congeal. He had rented out um this, you know, this beautiful ranch and mm-hmm. had all his artists, you know, all the artists down there. He had artists coming through. They filmed it. You know, go check out his, uh, his Instagram, his Twitter, like. You know, House Studio, they did some, they did it they, from the music side, kind of what it's supposed to look like. And then, you know, Economic Partnership from the tech side, they did South by the way it's supposed to look. And then our showcase, you know, it was just like a crown jewel on, you know, on DC really showing up at, at South by this year. It was, uh, you know, it was a magical experience.
1: Yeah, it was. A, it was a rock of people down there. Yeah, the whole. I mean, like I yeah, said, rock the whole city. From, a rack of people from the city <laughs> were down there. You know, everybody was saying like, "Man, you should have been here." And I'm yeah. just like, "Shut up! <laughs> I don't even want to hear it." Nah, you know what I nah, mean? Nah,
2: Lord will and willing. Uh, there'll be, there'll be more. There'll be more. No,
1: nah, I, I, I wholeheartedly know that there will be more. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? More. Um, want to ask you because um, I've always had my thoughts on this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. As a as a fan, as a supporter, since you know I learned of, of of the guy, but like, you know, do you think that? Do you think that DC will ever support wholeheartedly support Wale and really back this guy? You know what I mean? Because like, you
0: mm-hmm. know, you
1: you do the pop up show on Eighth Street, everybody came out, and when I there was a lot of people out there who I saw out there, I was just like
0: like Wale <laughs> for real like right. you
1: didn't really and like for me like I was always like you know man just rap I just wish you just shut the fuck up and like yeah. stop forget the Twitter and forget just just rap man like it like cause, and like that's all I want him to do is just rap and forget the stop addressing the haters yeah you know what I yeah.
0: mean
1: and really I don't want to say like stop wearing your emotions on your sleeve because like I mean if you're an emotional person male or female like you know you you show that how you feel right, comfortable. Right. But, like, it's just like he just always set himself up to just be an even bigger target than what he already was from just being successful. Yeah. So, you know, that happened. And then, you know, I, I saw the photo of you, like, you know, putting the flag on him yeah. down at South by Southwest. And I saw it, I was like, man, people going to have all the shit in the world to say. But I understood yeah. why you did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, cause even to this, but even to this day though, people still like, man, he not even from the city. And then and I'm just like, man, we still having this argument. <laughs> still. That's
2: an argument I refuse to have.
1: We still have, this man came out, hit the scene on the radio, 2006. I had just moved back from New York. I hadn't even moved back from New York yet and I already learned of him. You know, still rocking with Kenny Burns, all of that. And I was just like, and I was just like, man, I want to know more about this dude. Cause like, you know, like. It's like, okay, there's a rapper on D C radio and he's rhyming over like this like chopped up go go beat and you know, he's in the sneakers and it's just like somebody that I could ultimately relate to in, in certain ways. You so, know so so so
2: and I I understand and I, I love and value that question first first and foremost. So
1: I know I, I added all that extra no, stuff, no, no, but I always no, gotta put that out it's, there it's just like it. just a- where How I, what what my my thoughts, opinions uh, of Wale are. So keeping with
2: the flow of this this conversation, I'm (laughs) going to give you another Jay-Z. Okay. (laughs) So when he was like, um, I'm so far ahead of my time, I'm about to start another life, look behind you, I'm about to pass you twice, Uh, back to the future, got to show up for my present, and past, niggas can't get past my past. Like, that's, what you was just saying right now brought that to my mind because... Let's really okay. Let's really examine and break down Wale, right? Mm. So let's let's. Re- I mean, people people have no problem hating on him. Mm. Very few people will really sit back and examine this man for what he is as a man, mm. right? Well, I, as a let's as an artist, because that's what he's put himself out there, right? As an artist, mm. I would I would challenge anyone to put anyone in front of Wale on some po- poetic content. Mm. Wale, Wale will body anybody poetically. Period. Mm. I don't I don't. Every every MC has their lane. Mm-hmm. Wale is a poet, mm-hmm. period. Right, so that's the first piece of it. This man was working with Mark Ronson, Lady Gaga, a track Diplo. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's that's that ahead of my time thing. Yeah. I don't know that we really really caught up to what to where Wale is at mm-hmm. with or, any of this piece. Right, that's the first thing of it. The second part about it is, I work with so many artists, right, and I have no talent, so. Half of my life is making sure I'm not in a judging position as I interact with these people who I know that I have to package and make palatable so that people even hear and see and watch what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And go back to some of this stuff, man. People thought Prince was weird. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People thought, I mean, to this day. I mean, think about people. I don't know that people even understand this new wave that's out here. I don't. Sometimes I don't understand it. But it's not my job to understand. My, my job is to sit back, evaluate it. You know, take from what I like let it and let it marinate mm-hmm. now the 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 twitter the tweets i i, I would i'm gonna give him a pass on all that because I don't know how this story unfolds. Mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying I know that I've been blessed with this man's music, I've been blessed with this man's presence i think d c has been blessed with this man's music and this man's presence, and if he's from a, a mile on the other side of you know the <laughs> d c perimeter I don't know that that disqualifies him from representing this town in that same way, in this way. Mm-hmm. Period. Like I and I I don't know anyone, you know, recently, you know, that has done as much for this town as he's done. Oh, I Period. Agree. I know I it's agree. a lot of people out here that I'm not gonna call any names that I know that the minute that single hits or that SoundCloud hits, they on a plane to LA to go and live somewhere else. I haven't seen them come back. Don't don't see it on their profiles. Don't mm-hmm. see it on their South by Southwest profiles. Don't see anything mentioned in DC.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: A lot of them. I could I can name ten of them now. I don't have that problem with Wale. I've mm-hmm. never had that with Wale. I tell you this, and that—that that nobody knows. Everything that you've seen us associated with, you know, Wale doing for DC, Wale has done for DC.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm I'm saying Wale has done that for DC as a favor to DC. If you can read between the lines, what I'm saying to no, you? No,
1: no, no. I'm I'm hip.
2: That man has done anything that you've seen for DC. Has he has done for DC? Okay. I can't. I can't hold him at any fault for any of that other stuff. And like I said, if, if the bars are where they need to be and his 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 presence and his energy is where it needs to be, I don't see why he can't wear that flag.
1: I like that answer. It's a very objective response, and I'm always a fan of objectivity. Yeah. <laughs> Just please be objective. Okay, yeah, we could talk about that. We could, t- okay, we could talk about that. We got to talk about when Barack Obama yeah. comes to Smith Commons. Yeah. So, um, it was just, this was first term or second term?
2: So this was remember that email that every I think every literally everybody got it where Barack was asking for five dollars, give me five yeah. dollars, have dinner with the president. Yeah. And everybody was like, "Why does Barack need five dollars, whatever?" And when really he was inventing crowdfunding for for campaigns. Um, so that was a dinner that we hosted. So, okay. um, what happened with that was our general manager—he's um, one of the twins—came out of the nightlife world, uh, Sheldon and Sherwin Robinson. Mm. Um, um, one of the twins was our GM, and uh, Jay Z forty forty had stolen them back because they they helped open forty forty. Okay, he stole them back from us. They were back up in New York um, doing an event. Um, you've probably seen the pictures of his Beyonce, Jay Z, yeah, and then yeah. um, the first family was up there. So, I guess during the uh, setup, he was wearing a Smith Commons t-shirt. Mm. And the head of um, Obama for America's events department was there setting up the event, saw the Smith Commons shirt, was like, yo, what do you know about Smith Commons? You know, down in D.C., I've been trying to get in touch with him for like three three months, six months, something like this. He's like, oh, that's my man, Miles, and then let me connect it. So, we put an email together. Uh, Obama for America team was like, man, we've been trying to get uh, an event with y'all for months um you know what can we do and i'm I'm just like <laughs> i mean it, it, nothing whatever whatever i have to do is this thing is done so yeah. that was like the rough a rough three months because i had to sit on that secret couldn't tell anybody i knew the phones were tapped you know i knew the email was being watched so i just kind of had to sit on that secret for three months and we um we put together three months of planning for it um i will say though the there is that man's team, I've I've never seen anything as professional, as laser sharp, as focused as that as that man's team. Mm-hmm. And then um I don't know if you ever met him, but like when he came in the building, like, you know, I was like, Oh, he's here now. And they were like, What you, you felt mean? It. You you, felt you could, it. I mean, you could hand it out. you could feel it. And they were like, What you mean? I'm like, you'll see. And he came up the stairs and like everybody he touched was just like jello in his hands. Like, charismatic, you know, knew how to just kind of work the room. Um, gave everybody like a, You know Some sentences of uplift We you know we talked for About 25 minutes He mm-hmm. we went and filmed A couple of commercials upstairs And you know Came back downstairs Had dinner with the Invited guests from Around the country mm-hmm. About 7-8 people You know we served them We had a little beer I mean mm-hmm. it was just A dope moment man With like you know something i'll never forget something that you know that's that's gonna be that first story that you tell your kids you know absolutely and it's funny because um in my mind i was like yeah that's my that's my twitter and my instagram you know uh picture profile picture i've I've seen it i was like i'm gonna take it down when it's um you know after his term is over and then you know we got this new guy here i'm like oh i'm never taking this down (laughs) like you know i didn't know how important it was you know until you have that contrast Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and it was uh it was, a, it was a magical part of history, man, and I'm you know I'm just completely honored to be a part of. And you know, that's that's kind of what it is, man. That's 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 DC, right? You yeah. know, where else does that happen? And you know, how else does that you know, how else do you live down the street from down that seat of power? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you know, how do you have people like that who come come support your business? And that was funny. He said that he was like, Oh yeah, you know, sorry we had to shut down for you, but I hope that, you know, this visit helps your business out. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like I think we think it will. Yeah, think it nah, will. I, I, so. and
1: and Obama' appearance definitely, I'm sure, has helped every business that he's made the parents at.
2: And it's it's great. Like when he talked about it, I mean, he you know he from the first question he asked was like, "How do we get started?" You know, why did y'all do this? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we be helpful? Like, you know, that's that's really where that man's mind and heart was at. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I can't take anything away from that. You know, okay. incredible experience.
1: Word, word. So, final question before yeah. the final final question: mm-hmm. Are you enjoying this part of the journey? Cause you've had some ebbs and flows over the past fifteen, twenty years, and like here you are now. Are you enjoying this part of it?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm locked in right now. Like I can't even. Yeah, I'm. I'm not even gonna hold you. Like yeah, I'm. I'm thoroughly enjoying this part of the journey. Um, and I say that because like you know, I feel like my mind's in the right place, my heart's in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I'm one of them type of dudes that you know kind of you know, believes in something something bigger than us being out there in some way. Um, and it's, it's like, you know, the, the more I learn about myself, the more I'm able to share about myself, the more I'm able to help, like, the more I'm able to get out my own way, mm. you know, just the more things keep coming to me, you yeah. know. Like, I was, you know, like, you know, you hit me up about doing this. Like, it's a, that's an honor to me, you know what I'm saying? That's, you know, you said thank me. I'm like, Sh- thank you, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is, this is what... You know, this is this is why you put in on them hard nights and you know long days, you know, so that yeah, man. You know, so that you can you know maybe possibly get the chance to help somebody else out. So, you know, the fact that I am cognizant and aware of that now. Um, yeah, I'm 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 loving this part of the journey. I can't, you know, it's, there's not a day that's easier. You know, what I'm saying that's that's true. More money, more problems. You know, more staff, more employees, more problems. <laughs> You know, and then we got this other thing happening in the world right now that is its own set of problems. You know, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm loving this part of the journey. Okay. I really am.
1: Okay, so this is like a two-parter. Like for the final, final question, what can people, what you can speak on, what you know that's coming down the pipeline? What can people expect to come out of DC creatively next year or so?
2: Oh, we're we're in a moment right now. Like, um, this is a, you know, I think anybody who's witnessing D.C., you're witnessing a cultural renaissance. Mm-hmm. You're, you're witnessing, I, don't, I mean, it's probably a hundred people right now yeah. that I could I could say are doing incredible work. Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, you know, you multiply that out to the people who are behind them, who work with them, people that you don't know, don't see. I mean, it's a it's an army being formed in D.C. right now. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's it's our time, it, and we're in this weird space of, you know, every time I go out of town, people are like, how's it how's it in D.C.? I'm like, it's a little bit of a black cloud, but I'm like, that's when the best art kind of is made and forged. So, you know, we're at this, this weird place in time and this weird place in history and this weird place in the country, you know, where we are uniquely located. You know, we're empowered. We have the talent. We have the timing and the positioning you know, to do some amazing work. And I think that, you know, the the city, the city administration, you know, really understands the value of creatives in this town. Um, and they know that, you know, nine times of ten they're not creative and they need to tap on the people who are, who can get their job done to do it for them or do do that with them, you know, in real partnerships. So I, I think that we're in the middle of a cultural renaissance in D.C. I think that, you know, for all the you know, the damage that something like a gentrification, you know, may do to a community, I think for every step, you know, we take two, three forward, you know, either pushing back against something we don't like, you know, bringing um, awareness to something that needs to have a light showing upon it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I think when the light bulb really went on for me, you know, outside of the South by Southwest thing, which is really just us, you know, hanging on the rim on folks, like, was probably that uh, that women's march. Like, um, I went out there and – you know, kind of talking to people, seeing that vibe, like, it was, like, they needed to do that here, you know what I'm saying? And, like, seeing the creatives from D.C. kind of represent themselves at that thing, I was like, oh, we, I think we're here right now, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I think the country kind of can see that, and ever since then, or even before, I mean, there's been these incredible D.C. moments that can only happen in D.C., and, you know, everybody's kinda of like keeping it one hundred with each other right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. anything that you need is like a, a text message away and it's you know, anytime I reach out to people, it's yes, how can we help? Yes, this what what else can we do? Like how can we build on that? Mm-hmm. And that's kinda I think what you need to create what I know that D C really wants to see for D C. Okay. So okay. yeah, I, I I think if if I had to make a prediction, cultural renaissance in DC right now, and I think that people are gonna look back on this time as oh, this is when it started.
1: I agree. I agree. And that's coming from somebody who, like, I have to say up until last week, (laughs) after spending two weeks because of my job in Northeast Ohio, Mm -hmm. I can say that my love-hate that I held for so long for D.C., growing up here and all of that, it's definitely far over onto the love side, you know. Yeah. She's still good on my nerves, yeah, of course. But, but you know, it's just like, man, like I could be living out here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like DCA, DCA ain't DC that bad. <laughs> you know all. what I mean? So I definitely agree with that. That that whole cultural renaissance, that description, and like just like categorization there. So now we're at the final, final question. What? can people expect from Miles Gray and just everything you've got working, you're working on? Uh,
2: Lord willing, you're going to just expect me to keep running. Expect Mm. me to keep, you know, trying to pass a baton, you know, expect, you know, me to keep chasing the people who are doing it, man. Like, Mm. like I said, the Eric Moses of the world, the Greg O'Dell's of the world. Um, It's just so, it's just so many people in this town, you know, that you can learn from, that you can grow with and that you can build with. Um, I'm just gonna try to keep, you know, waking up in the morning, trying to hear that voice, and just, you know, continue to, you know, carve out my little niche and do as much work in my bubble as I can, and hopefully, you know, let that thing affect other people. Like I said, I just don't, you know, we've we we've, we've all, you know, all the people that you know, I'm thinking about that I'm talking about, you know, are people who have put a lot of time and energy into this town, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's 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 time for us to kind of come together and. You know, kind of cash that check. And I don't really mean financial. I mean culturally. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, to really, you know, to really start bringing this thing home. And I think that we're kind of all at that place where, you know, we know it's time. We feel like it's time. And that's kind of what you're going to see from me, man. Like I said, if I'm blessed enough to, you know, to do another space in the future, it's going to be you know that next thing that people can kind of come to and enjoy themselves. I, I I can't promise that it'll be in the same vein. I can't promise it'll be in the same way. Um but I you know, I will promise it will be 100% of myself and it'll be honest.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um So that's what that's all you're going to see from me, man. A bunch of a bunch of honesty. I don't really know what that word authenticity means all the time. Um but I do have a, a very good understanding of of honesty. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see honesty in my projects. You're going to see honesty. Um well, a lot of most of what most of what happens you're not going to see. You're not going to hear about it. It's going a lot of that's going to, you know, happens in those private conversations, those private spaces, um bringing people along for you know, putting people on big stages. Yeah, you know. Anytime I have a big stage, you know, like the coolest part about that, you know, is putting putting somebody on that big stage. Like you know, the Wu-Tang Theory Corporation, Eric do thing from South by Southwest, like, yeah, that was cool. But what was really cool you know, we're seeing Manny Wells on that stage, you know, seeing Boom Scat on that stage, mm-hmm. seeing Roz Nebu on that stage, you know, seeing Rare Essence on that stage. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, Wale poking his head out for DC, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what you're going to see from me. Seeing, you know, I just want to out, go out here, lay a very strong foundation for people who do have the talent, you know, to go into their thing. And every single person I named. Who touched that stage put put on a life changing show, literally a life changing show. So, like I said, I'm gonna keep doing my part. Hope the universe does theirs, and I, you know, I know DC gonna keep doing this thing. So this thing should be pretty straightforward, pretty easy.
1: All right, well we can end it there, Miles. I once again appreciate you I'm happy to for, be coming, honor. Thank for coming, for coming through, man. Fresh out the gym, man. Hey, man. Hey, <laughs> you
2: got you got to keep going, man. Ain't, ain't, ain't no days off.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's a wrap, y'all. The All The Fly Kids show is powered by Fairground Creative Media and is recorded at the Innovator Studio inside Impact Hub, located in the Penn Quarter section of downtown D.C. Engineered by Backpack Matt and Ryan Gordon and produced by Geronimo Knows, me. You can subscribe to and listen to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher,
0: Mixcloud, and Spreaker. Tell a friend and pay it forward.